Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, good morning and welcome to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Are you worried? Tell the truth now. Are you worried? Week one of the NFL season and the Bengals lose to an inferior team, a divisional team, at home. Pittsburgh came away with a three-point win in overtime in an emotionally charged game. Sellout crowd at Paycourt Stadium. They might be going back to Paul Brown Stadium after what happened yesterday. Joe Burrow turns it over five times. Four interceptions and a fumble. Four of the turnovers happen, as you know, in the first half. In fact, in the game, Pittsburgh scores 17 of its 23 uh, points on Burrow turnovers. The remade offensive line was a disaster. And, of course, they lost T. Higgins to a concussion. Yet, because of great defense, and make no mistake, the defense came to play, right? They still could have and should have won the game. So why didn't they? Well, let's start with the head coach, Zach Taylor. I know, I know. You're saying, wait a minute, this team was led to the Super Bowl by Zach Taylor last year. He must be a great coach. No, that's not the way it works. Uh, One day, maybe. I hope so. But one trip to a Super Bowl does not give him a free pass, at least not here on this show. We wondered for two weeks about the wisdom of not playing a single starter for a single snap during the preseason. Now, some are yelling and screaming on Twitter at me, saying, oh, Volson, okay, fine. Volson, he's a rookie. He won the job. He played in the preseason. The other guys did not play a single snap. Now, you hear all the time about positional groups in the NFL, right? And the one thing you hear all the time is the importance of cohesion and communication among offensive linemen. Okay, as a group, individually and collectively, right? They have four brand new starters out of five guys from last year. Now, by not playing in the preseason, you could say they came in healthy. Touche. You're 100% correct. They were also not good and they were not ready to play. They give up seven sacks. You take away a 31-yard run by Mixon on that fourth and one that got him down inside the five. And he averaged less than two yards per carry. You take away a 27-yard run by Burrow, and they don't even get to two yards per carry overall. So you look and you see 133, 134 yards, rushing yards in the game. Half of that came on, or well over a third of that came on two plays. Okay. How about not challenging the Jamar Chase touchdown with about 250 to go? It was a touchdown. Would have been the game-winning touchdown if they convert the point after. More on that later. They don't get any points on that drive. None. That's a drive. They get stopped on fourth down. Taylor said they were in a hurry to snap the ball for the next play. What in the world is the hurry? You're trying to win the game. 
You have two minutes and 55 seconds left, right? You're inside the five-yard line. Are you kidding? You're in a hurry? For what? How about somebody help Taylor out a little bit, but it's his job ultimately to challenge the call on the field. It was a touchdown. And then there's the issue with long snapper Clark Harris. He gets hurt, and he's been a good player and done his job so well for a long, long time. It was the biggest injury of the game. Here's my question. Why isn't the backup long snapper better than what we saw? Why? In fairness, okay, he was good enough if someone would have blocked Minka Fitzpatrick for the game-winning PAT. It was a slow snap, took a while to get there, okay, but it was good enough. If you block, you chip Fitzpatrick. He runs in unblocked. He blocks it. They win an OT. But how much time, and it was brought up after the game, has been spent for Mitch Wilcox in practice on long snapping or on snapping, period. Now, Wilcox himself said after the game that he does get practice from time to time on long snapping punts, but rarely ever on field goals. That's not his fault. That's on Taylor. Now, you might say, well, no coach can think of everything. That's their job. They can't. But long snappers get hurt. And when they do, you better have someone that is ready and has practiced being ready, and he wasn't. Lastly, how about punting with 13 seconds left on the play clock? You've conceded by punting that you're okay with a tie. And that's fine. You're not going to give the ball to Steelers at the 40-yard line, 35, whatever it was, and give them a chance to kick the field goal. You've conceded a tie. And you've got 13 seconds left on the clock. Okay? So the Steelers, in essence, okay, even if you're worried about a bad snap, you could have taken a five-yard penalty, give Kevin Huber a little bit more breathing room, when Taylor is asked after the game about that, because it gave the Steelers offense those 13 extra seconds for that final drive, if they don't have the 13 seconds, I'm betting they don't win the game. Okay? And he says, we understand that. Trust me. What? That was simply unbelievable. All right, now is this the end of the world? It might sound like it. I don't want to come across that way. I told myself I wouldn't do that coming in today. Of course it's not the end of the world. This is still a really good team, and they're going to have a really good year, okay? But keep in mind this. Since 1990, only 12% of teams that start 0-2 on the year have made the playoffs. Now the Bengals are going to Dallas this coming weekend. The Cowboys and Dak Prescott, once again, vastly overrated. But look what happened last night. The Cowboys are stinking up the joint. And unfortunately, their quarterback, who seems like a really good dude, Dak Prescott, he injures his hand. He's out for anywhere from six to eight weeks. So he will not be playing when the Bengals go to Big D. 425 kick Sunday afternoon. All right. Elsewhere in the AFC North. 
Both the Browns and the Ravens won their season openers, both on the road against bad teams. Baltimore dominated the lowly Jets. And as for the Brownies, 1-0 for the first time since 2004. <laughs> but they're 1-0. Cade York hit a 58-yard field goal with eight seconds left. It was his NFL debut to beat Baker Mayfield in Carolina by two. Now look... Every game the Brownies win with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback is a win. A win and a win. Because whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, Deshaun Watson's coming back. And every time they can win a game, it's a big win. We wondered on this program last week, and we talked to Brian Billick about it, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense. They let Devontae Adams walk out the door, best receiver in the game. You're not going to replace him. Green Bay got rolled big time by Minnesota yesterday. Aaron Rodgers in the first quarter is shaking his head and rolling his eyes. It was not a good look at all. But keep in mind, it's Green Bay. They got humiliated 38-3 in the season opener last year against New Orleans. They end up winning 13 games. Kansas City looked great. Arizona didn't. Rest assured, all the Kyler Murray questions are coming about his contract and his preparation. Fair or not, they are coming. That comes with signing the contract and making the big bucks. Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns in that route. KC picks right up where they've been for three or four years since Mahomes arrived. Chicago gets a late rally behind former Buckeye star quarterback Justin Fields to beat the favored 49ers. Trey Lance started through a huge pick late in that game, which gave Chicago the ball. They kick a field goal to seal it. Now, whether you like Jimmy Garoppolo or not, one thing he did regularly was win games, a lot of games. In fact, he has one of the best winning percentages as a starting quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Brian Billick said it on the show last week. There are going to be veterans around there that have played with Garoppolo, that have won a lot of games, that got to the NFC Championship game, and how are they going to handle it with Garoppolo sitting on the bench and Trey Lance, a number one pick starting at quarterback, Stay tuned for that. And lastly, I got to tell you, ballsiest move of the weekend. We might have to make this a segment. Ballsiest move of the weekend presented by Rawlings or something. I like it. I do too. By the way, Casey? Yeah. How are we doing? Brandon, you guys all right today? Yeah, we're doing great. I don't have a voice, but... That's because you were yelling and screaming at the television, drinking beer in the Bengals game. Yep. Yeah. Casey, did you take it easy? Just watch the game, you and your bride-to-be, or were you with some buddies? Or I, what? Was, I was actually at my nephew's birthday party while watching the game, so I had to be a little bit more a good family headed man. A good family man. Um, otherwise, while watching that game, I probably would have been cursing and screaming. And, okay. Uh, That's what I was doing. Like everybody else. Like everyone else. I like yeah. everybody else. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, back to the ballsiest move of the weekend without question. After scoring a touchdown in the final minute of the game to make it a one-point spread at Tennessee, Giants rookie head coach Brian Dayball stands on the sidelines 
and does this. He puts up two fingers. We're going for two. We're going for the win. He said, that's the way I'm going to coach this team the whole year. And he did it. He put the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands, who, by the way, I mean, when that guy is healthy, what a player he is. Anyway, he scores a two-point conversion. New York wins a game 21-20. It takes incredible guts for a coach, a rookie head coach, especially in a market like New York City. If that failed, the Sharks would be out in full force. He didn't care. Good for him. Giants win the game. Ballsiest move of the weekend. We're back with a college story in a moment on Off the Bench presented by UDF. All right, we're back on Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. It's time now to check out college football. Huge weekend. UC just hammers Tennessee State. It's 28th straight win at the NIP. Sellout crowd. Incredible environment. Ben Bryant throws for three scores at quarterback. Evan Prater led a drive late, hitting four out of five for 92 yards. He added an electrifying 44-yard touchdown run. This kid's such a phenomenal athlete. But the best player on that team through the first two games is former Coleraine star, transfer from Miami, Evan Pace Jr., senior linebacker, has been all over the field the first two games. Miami is next up for the Cats. That's at Paycor Stadium, by the way, this coming Saturday. Ohio State drills Arkansas State. C.J. Stroud, four touchdowns, three of them to Marvin Harrison Jr. Buckeyes play at home Saturday against Toledo before Wisconsin comes to Columbus the following week. A huge congratulations. In order for the Kentucky Wildcats, they beat Florida in the Swamp on Saturday night. By the way, that's now back-to-back wins for Kentucky against Florida. That has not happened since 1976 and 1977. Their defense completely shuts down quarterback Anthony Richardson. And Mark Stoops passes the legendary Bear Bryant as the winningest coach in Kentucky football history. Starting his 10th year, that gives him 61 wins. Everybody said you can't win in football to Kentucky when he took that job. They are winning at Kentucky, and now they're ranked in the top 12 in the country. Good for him and good for Big Blue Nation. Now, the not so good. Notre Dame. Ooh, Notre Dame. They played so well. At Ohio State last Saturday, they came to play. They were focused. Their defense shut down. C.J. Stroud and the Buckeyes until the run game took over late. But they were in the game, had a chance to win the game in Columbus. And they looked like a fifth-ranked team in the country. They played like it. I said it. I wanted to rank them still fifth uh, in my top five, even though they lost the game. I had them at sixth. But then... This past Saturday. They lose at home to Marshall. Marshall. Marcus Freeman is the first coach in the storied history of Notre Dame football to start his coaching career at 0-3. We're rooting for the guy. Great guy. Great recruiter. Kids love him. Can he coach? All three of those losses, by the way, bowl game last year at Oklahoma State, the Ohio State game last week, and then this past weekend against Marshall, 
Notre Dame led the games, all those games, in the third quarter. Then there's Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He is in year five at A&M. He is recruited as well as anybody in the country, maybe better than everyone in the country, especially the last three years. His facilities, top of the line. He has paid an absolute fortune to win football games, something he did not do Saturday at home against Appalachian State. By the way, that was coming off the uh, just about the 15-year anniversary of Appalachian State's shocking win at Michigan. Texas A&M has 45 players that were four-star or five-star recruits. Five-star is the highest you can go, then down to four-star. 45 of them. Appalachian State has one, their quarterback. One. Humiliating loss. And we called it here on the program in our preseason top five. Don't buy Texas A&M. Not going to do it. Scott Frost got fired yesterday as head coach at Nebraska following another humiliating loss, this one to Georgia Southern. That was in Lincoln. Frost was 5-22 and 22 in one-score games during his five-year tenure. But you know what? This is a sad story on a lot of levels, okay? This is a guy who has given everything to Nebraska football. As a player, he quarterbacked the national championship team there. And now he has shown the door at his alma mater. He does get $15 million on the way out. But, but this is sad. And then lastly, Alabama should have lost to Texas. Should have lost. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt because he was shredding the Alabama defense. Shredding Alabama. Threw for 135 yards in basically a quarter. But then he gets driven into the ground after he releases a ball. Alabama penalty. One of 15 penalties, by the way, on Alabama in that game. Nick Saban was livid after the game. But they have the great Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young. He takes him on a touchdown drive the final two minutes. Alabama wins the game. So, having said all that, let's get to my top five in college football heading into, really, week number three. Georgia has looked fantastic. 2-0 and on the year. Huge games coming up. And I tell you the game on the schedule that all of a sudden a lot of people weren't thinking about. They've got to beat Kentucky to win that NFC East or that uh, SEC East. Ohio State number two. They got it rolling. Uh, they're in no hurry to get some guys back. Uh, Smith and Jigba did not play over the weekend. He's got that hamstring. He injured against Notre Dame early in the game. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is a stud, and uh, Ohio State's defense has played very well. 2-0. Alabama drops to three despite winning. Uh, it was a good win, hard-fought win, uh, but they dropped to three. Clemson, number four, and then Michigan. And look, you got to call out Michigan a little bit. They look great, and they're going to go with the McCarthy kid at quarterback against UConn this week. So their game's out of conference. Their schedule has Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. 
All right. Top five individual performers over the weekend. My guys are TCU. I love TCU. Got family connections down there to TCU to play the Casey McAllister uh, card. Uh, Max Dugan was a starter last year. They bring in uh, Sonny Dykes to be the head coach. And Duggan, I said Dugan, Max Duggan, goes 23 of 29, 395 touchdowns. Granted, not a good opponent, but in two weeks, down there in Texas anyway, is a huge game. Sonny Dykes came from SMU to take over at TCU about 35 miles down the road. They play one another next Saturday. Not this Saturday, next Saturday. Penn State running back Nicholas Singleton. I don't know how any human being was able to do this against Ohio University, but he did. Ten rushes, 179, two touchdowns. Colin LeBourne running back for Marshall, 31 carries. That's Emmett Smith stuff, Ron Dane stuff, 163 against Notre Dame. Running back Evan Hall, that's right, Northwestern, that's a running back, had 14 receptions for 213 yards and a touchdown, but Northwestern loses to Duke. And lastly, Marvin Harrison Sr. was one of the greatest receivers in the history of the NFL. His son is better than him at the same age. I'm not saying he's going to have a better pro career than him. But Harrison Jr. is only a sophomore. And this guy is an absolute stud. Three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl last year in his first collegiate start. He starts over the weekend, becomes target number one for C.J. Stroud. Seven catches, 184, three more touchdowns. The guy is a player. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and hear lots of uh, reaction from the Bengals game yesterday, from uh, everybody from Zach Taylor to Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow. Uh, we'll have all that. We'll have our power rankings in the National Football League after week one, and we'll have our top five individual performers in the NFL after week one. That's all up next, Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy farmers. Please stick around. Report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Okay. I did not cut myself shaving, by the way. Uh, I have a huge swollen chin. I took a headbutt in uh, the middle of the night from my dog two nights ago. One of our dogs. We have a couple of dogs. Uh, but I reached down to, to kind of rub the top of his head. He was asleep. He pops up, headbutts me right in the chin. I've broken his chin before. I'm a little worried I may have done something to it again. Um, so forgive the, uh, I mean, it's a face for radio anyway. All right, here we go. Um, some of the reaction from the major participants in the Bengals' overtime loss to Pittsburgh at home yesterday. Hit it, boys. I don't make any excuses. It, it is what it is. First half didn't go our way. Second half, I thought we played well. What was the difference today? Completing the balls. On the third down, when you guys decided to kick, obviously you knew what was going on with the long snapper situation. Did you, did you want to 
keep it and kind of try and win the game in your hands? Or at that point, are you just, this is the decision? Uh, that's not my decision. Um, I execute the as well as I can. And, you know, what happens, happens. Obviously, didn't go our way. But, I mean, we, we don't give up. You know what I'm saying? I like how we you know, kept pushing out there today, um, even though we have it, errors, mental errors and stuff. But, you know, overall, we did a good job fighting, and, and we showed that. I think we got to do the same thing again next week, but we got to forget about this game and move on now. Uh, we had our chances, you know, to lose the turnover battle five to nothing, um, to have kick operations really on two kicks that, that both would have won the game um, is disheartening in that way because I thought we would have handled those situations better. But... Um, I thought our guys really fought back, gave us a chance. I thought the defense played solid all day. Would have liked to get a turnover, but but really they held them to, to 13 points there until that last field goal. And uh, that's a pretty good day's work in the NFL. So uh, just didn't do enough as a team to overcome some of the adversity that we put ourselves in. Didn't find a way to make a play at the end of the game that would have won it. And uh, that's life. So we got 16 more of these, and, and we'll turn around next week and start getting ready for Dallas and try to gain some momentum that way. Zach, any thought of going for two at the end of regulation given with your long snapper situation. You have to trust that we're going to get it done. And um, at the end of the day, that, that part of the operation, I think, was good enough on, on that play. You talked specifically about the snap. Mm -hmm. what, I think there's a lot of questions about play clock not being ran down. Uh, yeah, it, again, new operation. Um, tried that. It, it, we snapped her 13 seconds. I understand that. Trust me. It's, we would rather do something different. Um, but again, just trying to make sure the operation ran smoothly. Um, it turned out that we sacrificed some seconds just to make sure that we were all on the same page there. Yeah, no, it's definitely frustrating because obviously I want to be there for my team and uh, help us win, but, you know, I wasn't able to do it. Well, with the snapper out, I mean, how what does that do for the whole psyche of, of everything, the timing? I mean, it's kind of like a three amigos yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have a great connection, me, Kevin, and Clark, but, it, you know, I, I, have, I have full trust in, in Kevin, and I had full trust in Mitch, and, you know, there's no excuse for, for a miss. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm doing everything I can not to just uh, ha have the blood boiling again, fellas. I, I got to tell you. I mean, when I hear the coach, and I'm not going to sit here and make this a thing. You know, I, I, I'm doing I, – I feel like Michael Corleone, right? I mean, I, I do. Because when I hear things like in that soundbite, Zach Taylor says, trust me, and I reference this in the monologue, trust me. Um, I know we had 13 seconds left. I wish we would have done it. But we were worried about the process of the snap. What in the world is the difference between snapping at 13 seconds or snapping at one or two seconds? What's the difference? There is no difference. Even if you take a penalty there and back up five yards, what's the difference? Reaction, if any? I mean, am I going too over the top on this or no? No, no. no. You, you're nailing it right on the head there. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible coaching decision to just not – it's like he had no idea that he could take a penalty. That's what the problem is. He doesn't even know his options. He doesn't know that he can just take the penalty and give them extra time to get it right. But no, I'm going to, you know, 
Trust me. R ruin the game. Uh, trust him. Yeah, trust me. I don't trust him. Trust me. Trust me. This is from the guys that did not challenge, did not challenge with 250 to go what was undoubtedly a touchdown for Jamar Chase. And a lot of people keep getting it mixed up. I had to go back and double check myself. I got to be honest with you. That was the time where they had the ball inside the five yard line. There was 250 to go. They don't challenge the play on the Jamar Chase, no doubt, touchdown. They go for it on fourth down. They fail to execute on fourth down, and the Steelers take the ball over, we thought they did, at the one-yard line before Chase all of a sudden decides that he's going to pop the Steeler guy, who is definitely jawing with him, but that's part of the game. I mean, it goes on every play, the jawing. Here's, a, here's another look at that. Jamar Chase touchdown, by the way. Yeah, and, and the key here is for everybody, and I know, I know most of you know this, the key is not that his foot has, quote-unquote, broken the plane. The only thing that matters is the ball. And the ball, without a doubt, is to the right of his foot, the right meaning closer to the goal line and the plane there. That is a touchdown. Gene Steratore, longtime NFL uh, referee, uh, and worked in the league office for years and years and years, um, he said that is without a doubt a touchdown. Now, in baseball, you have somebody that is your guy in the dugout, if you're a manager, that says to you, we got to challenge uh, that, that call, wherever it occurs. In the NFL, most teams have the same guy upstairs that can jump in the headset of the coach and say, hey, we just saw this. You got to challenge this call. You have to challenge this now. And Zach Taylor's response was, we were in a hurry for the next snap. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, what does that mean? You're trying to win the game. If you score, there's 250 to go. You were lucky to get the ball back again. You did get it because of great defense, and they play great defense. We've said that already. And they score the touchdown to Chase eventually, blah, blah, blah. So they'd have had the same issues with a point after with 250 to go that they had with zero time left on the clock. But how is that not challenged? I'm, right. a, I'm a big Zach Taylor guy, and I know I might be in the minority with some of the people after yesterday. But I would admit yesterday he had a rough day coaching, whether it be the situational awareness with the time on the clock at the punt. Special teams in general had a terrible day. Think about this. It's the second time you know Wilcox is, is snapping it. Kevin Huber, one of the most veteran special teams players in, in the NFL, mm -hmm. high snap. You do it on third down for a reason, in case there's a bad snap. That's on him, too. If he just pulls that down, you lose five, six, or you lose but seven that's yards. A, that's a tough one, though. That's a tough I, I one. I'm, gotta, saying, I'm cutting him slack on that. Sure. I'm just saying there's the special teams group as a whole yesterday. That was rough. But, Zach, not, not challenging that call. Not running the clock all the way down. I agree with you. The the taking that penalty for five yards, giving Huber some extra room, you're you're conceding anyway to a tie. Also, that rule not being able to advance it under two minutes when it's not the original guy who dropped the fumble. Yeah. Stupid. I don't understand some rules. Well, in the you NFL. guys aren't old enough to remember that rule was put in place because of a play in a playoff game with the Oakland Raiders many, many, many years ago when Kenny Stabler was the quarterback. He fumbles. Dave Casper picks up the ball and advances it into the end zone for a touchdown. 
there there have been other plays where that's been a, a, a an issue. I, I'm with you. I mean, the ball's on the ground. Somebody picks it up and wants to run. Um, you know, and, and, and you know what? That, that, that's a phenomenal awareness there by uh, P. Ryan. Right. Yeah. No, it's he's a smart player. He is. Yesterday was just that was a tough day for special teams as a whole, and, and Zach making some some questionable yeah. decisions on the sideline. Okay, and but, but the headset. Right. It's in the headset. That's how yeah. how hard is that for someone to? Yeah. I mean, I I can't get over the that he needed to hurry up. I don't understand why you don't just review it. Why why can't you just take the time? You're already been getting stuffed. You went over that today. I mean, majority of Mixon's runs came off of one run, right? So why would you hurry up and run a play that the Steelers know you're going to probably run if you're going to hurry it up? Yep. Well, and here's the other thing. When you use that terminology, we wanted to hurry up. Okay? If Chase would have been tackled inbounds and the clock's running, okay, you know what? Maybe I can buy that. Even though... At that point, he'd have been tackled inbounds. I think it was right at 250 to go, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it would have more than likely been very close to running down before the two-minute warning. And you still had timeouts left. I think one they had left. I think. But, but you had a timeout and the two-minute warning coming. But the bottom line is, he ran out of bounds. So again, what is the hurry? The clock is stopped. It's not running anymore, right? It was right. not running any longer at that point. Am I right on that, or am I wrong? I, on that? I'm pretty sure you're correct on okay, that. Okay, I, I need to double check because I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak here because there were so many things you're trying to keep track of from yesterday. Uh, but but even if the clock is running there, it's second down and goal. You would have had about a ten. If it was two fifty, you'd have about a ten second spread there with a play clock. So you had plenty of time even to huddle before a second down and goal from inside the one-yard line. You don't have to hurry is the bottom line. I, I think the idea is to get a quick snap, punch it in, QB sneak, or to mix in real quick. But 10 okay, seconds. But, but here's the thing. 10 okay. seconds is enough to get. That's, that's fine. Obvious. But if you play that game all the time, okay, th this continues. This one play and decision or lack of a decision by not challenging and how much time was left in the game, okay? Now, now you bring in another part of the equation, which is why are you in a hurry if you're about to take a one-point lead, if, if you score the touchdown there, you challenge a play, it's a touchdown. No, 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 no. We're, we're saying he didn't challenge. Okay, so we're saying it's at the one-yard line. What's the hurry to score at that point, knowing the Steelers are going to get the ball back if you score on the very next play with roughly two minutes to go in the game? And a field goal kicker, I mean, if, if, if McPherson is money McPherson, Based on one year, and he had five kicks last year, walk-off kicks. He's phenomenal. One of the great weapons in the league, without a doubt. Well, the guy that's been doing that exact same routine the longest in the NFL happens to kick for the Steelers. That cat has missed one field goal in his career against the Bengals. One! Up until he clanked one off the goal uh, upright yesterday. All right, next topic. 
the offensive line. Mm. <laughs> okay, so people got on me when I made the comment last night on Twitter, and I'm new to the Twitter world, and I'm getting savvy advice from both <laughs> Brandon and, uh, and Casey about not responding to people and the, the tired act of, oh, you know, Castellanos hits. I mean, it's so tired. It really is. But that's neither here nor there. But um, the offensive line. We brought up on this program the very first show about not playing a single snap in the preseason together. And you hear all the time about communication, cohesion, um, all those things. And of all the positional groups in the NFL, they say offensive line is the most critical for, for those components to work together. So Now, Collins was hurt a little bit in uh, training camp in the preseason. So maybe you got an excuse there. And, and, and look, it, it, you can be picky about Bolson, okay? He only played in the preseason because he was trying to win a job, which he did, and good for him. Uh, and he had his hands full yesterday with Cam Hayward, but everybody has their hands full with Cam Hayward. But seven sacks. Now, I understand pro football focus is saying after evaluating the tape, and they do a nice job over there, that four of the sacks can technically be hung on the offensive line. Three of them are hung on Burrow. And Joe holds a ball trying to make plays, and that's going to happen. We know that. You take Burrow all day, every day. But all we heard was these guys can run block. Pass block, we'll wait and see. Seven sacks. You take away the 31-yard run by Mixon on the fourth down and one. You take away a 27-yard run by Burrow. They did not even average two yards per carry for everybody else to touch the ball. Thoughts? I think the one, I I like not playing all of the starters, in, or I don't like not playing all of the starters in the preseason. The offensive line is the one group where I'll make an exception, like we talk about, every yep. single person says. Yep. Communication, it's a whole new group, four new guys. Yep. I know LC was hurt, but you had to put Karras, Kappa in there, Jonah Williams, I think you needed more from them than just the offensive one or, you know, the 11 on 11 snaps in, in camp and then going against L.A. That's the one group. I don't think you need to play Jamar T, Joe Mixon. Obviously, Burrow had the appendectomy. Yeah. But the offensive line is the one where I agree with you. You have when they're all new, they're all veterans, but you had to put them in there. And that's what we saw. I mean, the first three possessions were what? Sack, interception, sack. Yeah, I, it was rough. Yeah, I think. If I'm not mistaken, it was seven sacks, 11 or 10 quarterback hits yesterday, which I wanted to do a little research right before, but I'm pretty sure that's probably one of the worst performances, even for last year. Last year's Bengals offensive line, that would have been probably... The, the first half looked like last year's Bengals offensive line. Yeah. It did. It was and, bad. And look, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't um, have to... The quarterback turned the ball over five times. But, but look, I mean, Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow. He, uh, apparently, he was extremely distraught, naturally. He's a gamer. He's a competitor. But, but, but by all accounts, I guess, uh, you know, he comes in, does a very short exchange with the media. Um, I think they said it lasted six or seven minutes, and he was out of there. You just saw he was short in, in, in the questions he was being asked. He's not going to throw his coach in front of the bus about the decision on the third down thing and kicking a field goal, trying to kick the field goal. Um, to win the game. 
But by all accounts, almost the entire team had showered, dressed, and been out the door. And Burrow was still sitting in front of his locker on a stool with uh, his game pants, a T-shirt that he wore under his uh, shoulder pads, and uh, just staring off into space. And, and I'm not surprised about that one iota. Let's see what we got going on here on, um, on uh, YouTube. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know what? I, I meant to bring this up. People blaming the referees. That's never going to happen on this show. Did you guys think the referees cost him? I think no. it's fair to say <laughs> the, Ch the uh, T. Higgins thing was a helmet to helmet. Sure. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, any other issues? Let you guys, because maybe you're those guys that feel like they got jobbed. You no, feel that no. way? No, they had five turnovers and didn't make extra points or game-winning field goal. That's on them. Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, uh, they let the corners and receivers play. You know what I mean? They, they let some stuff I thought could have been called on us. Yeah, the Bengals even and, got I mean, some calls. Yeah, I mean. They did. I thought it was pretty even, even game from the ref's perspective. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a team performance issue, you know. When you have a mistake, uh, everyone on offense, offensive line, quarterback, then we have special teams, the long snapper, placeholder, kicker. Everyone made a mistake, it seemed like. And it just wasn't like one person. It was everyone made a mistake every other play. And it just showed. Like, they, they just weren't ready. They weren't ready at all to come out and play against the Steelers. And, I mean, you look at what happened with the Steelers, though. I mean, it's not much better. Like, you lose TJ Watt. Yep. You lose Najee Harris. Those guys had a lot of hits in the preseason. Uh, it's tough. It's it's a tough call to not play your starters, but you got to give them some some snaps there. You can't you can't just let them go out there looking like that. And I will say, Bengals fans and everyone across the NFL now, after seeing that, they will appreciate Clark Harris and whoever their long snapper no is doubt. going forward. <laughs> he also has the best mustache in sports. You know, I wonder what they're going to do about that. Um. And, and, and I, it, I want no part at all, and I am not beating up on Wilcox. I'm not going to do it. That's a tough spot to go yeah, into. That's a I tough mean... spot to go in, but, but I, I thought it was very, very interesting. Maybe the single most interesting soundbite that took place or comment that took place, I'm using TV talk again, but I thought the most interesting comment made after the game by anybody involved from either side was when Wilcox was asked about how much they practice and give him a chance to practice in that position. He said, we practice from time to time punting drills where he gets a chance to be the long snapper uh, to Kevin Huber in punt formation. He said, rarely if ever do we practice field goal or point after touchdown situations and you know i think i heard charles davis say it yesterday outstanding um analyst work at cbs i worked with charles we've done a ton of games together he's as prepared and savvy and smart an analyst as i've ever worked with and he made the comment about his i can't remember the exact words but it was something to the effect that the legendary college coach that he played for uh, at Tennessee, Johnny Majors, 
used to always say, you, you, something along the lines is, you've got to find a way to be prepared for everything that could happen. And when you only have one player on your team, okay, kind of like your field goal kicker, um, your punter, um, there are very few positions. In fact, those are the only three, punter, field goal kicker, long snapper, where you don't carry an extra guy on your active roster for that game. So if your field goal kicker goes down, you're in big trouble. There's nobody active that can come in the game and kick for you. Same thing with a punter. And the same thing with the long snapper. So if you know that of those three positions, and I would still say the same thing about a place kicker, in practice there has to be at least five minutes of time. And maybe the guy does it after practice. But there has to be some time practicing the possibility, and I'm guessing it would be Kevin Huber, that if something happened to McPherson, Huber is ready to kick a point after. Not a 40-yard field goal, not a 50-yard field goal. That's unreasonable. But a point after touchdown. Same thing with punting. If Huber gets hurt, somebody has to be practicing, okay, catching the snap, right? The guys up front maybe understanding we got to hold our block for a second or two longer, but practicing. I don't care if the guy punts a ball 10 yards, but at least you've practiced it. And the same thing with the long snap. And, and Wilcox said, we don't do it. Here's Wilcox quote after the game. I did it in high school, and I was always the backup in college, but I was on the shield, so I was never called in to do it in college. I had a little bit more experience with long snapping on punts, but it would have been good to get some reps at place kicking snaps. He was asked when the last time he worked on it, periodically was the answer. Yeah, and I will mention this. They do have someone on the practice squad, Cal Aldemitis or something like that, right? It's yeah, backup, okay. backup guy or, on the okay. practice squad. So it will be resolved, but I mean, the, the fact that we don't have someone on the active roster. Well, that, you're not, that, yeah. that's well, the you point I'm making, yeah. O'Casey, okay, is you're not going to chew up a spot on the active roster for game day, okay? You, you can have a guy on the practice squad. You can guy, have a guy that's on your regular roster. But then you have to trim that down and decide on the number of guys that are going to be on your active roster for a game, okay? And so you're not going to carry two long snappers into a game. So you've got to trust that whoever is the quote-unquote backup, that they've had a chance to do this in practice, in formation. But you know what? We're not even talking about any of this because Wilcox snap while slow and it felt like it took forever to get to Huber to put it down for the point after to win the game at the end of regulation. Uh, the bottom line is, is if they block Fitzpatrick, Right. The kick is good and I, they win the game. I, I don't know who didn't block him. So that's Drew Sample, by the way. Backup tight end. Yeah. And let me tell you, I've had a hatred for this guy for a long time. That's a big word. Yes, it is a big Casey word. You can ask all my family, all. all my friends, how much I just have a disdain for Drew Sample. It's not his fault that he got picked in the second round, but you at least got to have some form of quality to the team sure he's not very good at blocking he's not very good at catching the ball he just kind of takes up space and i can tell you since high school they teach you block the inside guy in field you're goals. right 
And what does he do? He hesitates and goes outside. I couldn't. Takes the outside guy longer there. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just simple, you know. It's simple math, honestly. That's right. If you just think about it logically. But the fact that that has probably been drilled in his head. He's a tight end, right? He's not a receiver. He's a tight end. He's probably been out there to block field goals for a long time. Well, yeah. And the selling point to bring him in in the second round, he's a great blocking That's right. tight end. That's oh, right. My God. It, it just, Run blocking, that is. But still the same concept. I, You can look at my friend's group chat. We've called for him to be kicked off the team cut for a long time. After this game, I don't see why he's on the roster well, anymore. Um, so many things. And, and look, we're going to have to turn the page, uh, although we're going to continue because it's all everybody's talking about here in town. In all fairness, no one's talking about UC, and they had a great win over the weekend. Nobody's talking about Ohio State. There are some people in the Commonwealth talking about Kentucky. Uh, no one's talking about the Reds. Although, by the way, they were officially eliminated over the weekend. Uh, the question is now, uh, can they avoid losing 100 games? Uh, but tomorrow on the program, we have, um, we have Zim Houday, we have Tracy Jones, we have Brian Billick, we have Paul Doherty. So we'll be, you know, kind of hashing through all of this because that's the nature of football. We have an NFL game tonight, the debut of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman as the new broadcasters of Monday Night Football. How about that? Denver v. Seattle. When we come back, we'll talk to our main man, James Rapine, about what went down yesterday. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. By United Dairy Farmers, uh, great to have you with us on this Monday. Normally, we have James Rapine with us on uh, Friday to talk about the Bengals and their preparation for a, a game, and perhaps we'll do that later this week, although I know James will be traveling down to Dallas um on friday so we'll see but uh he's kind enough to join us right now uh james you know we've been sitting here first of all thanks for taking the time today i know it was asking a lot um so thank you sincerely of course, no problem um look i've sat here and hammered zach taylor for an hour um about <laughs> about multiple things that happened in that game yesterday i'm not going to ask you to do the same but 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 let me just walk through with you the whole layer of issues and his reaction after the game, because you were down there, uh, mm -hmm. as it pertains to the non-challenge on the Jamar Chase touchdown, which unquestionably was a touchdown and would have been overturned, the call in the field. I think everybody agrees it would have been overturned. The ball broke the plane. has nothing to do with his foot. The ball was to the, to the goal line side of his foot. Further out, it was a touchdown. So you start with that. That's number one. Then number two, the comments made after the game by Zach Taylor saying, yeah, wish we would have looked at it, wish we would have challenged it. We didn't. And then he says, but we were in a hurry for the next snap. Now, unless I'm getting something wrong here, and please correct me because I'm wrong all the time, the clock had stopped because Chase went out of bounds, right? You're roughly at 250 there. Okay, so what is the hurry to snap the next play at second down from the one-yard line when theoretically you like your chances of scoring there? We know ultimately they didn't, but you certainly like your chances. You take your chances. And the, 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 
the quicker you score if you score means more time when the Steelers get the ball back to potentially go down the field and kick a field goal to beat you. Can you from, from where you sit, and you talk to everybody after the game, you've had uh, you know, a, a night's sleep in this morning to digest it all. What are your thoughts on that particular series of events? I don't know how you don't challenge it because it was such a critical moment in the game. And even in real time, and I get it, it where he was on the field, and that's what he was talking about. It's hard for him to see. Well, that's why you have coaches in the booth that have a similar view that, that we had in the press box. And it's like, oh, he didn't score? I thought he scored. And slow it down, right? He would be on the headset right away, just say, all right, slow it down here. Let's take another look at this. Slow down, slow down, slow down. I don't know why you don't slow it up a little bit because you're in such a rush. And, oh, we're on the two-inch line. We could just punch it in. It's not that simple. This offensive line and this offense has struggled in short yardage situations last year. And, and so this idea that, oh, you're going to just be able to get that half a yard, are you sure? So you, you can't take that part for granted, especially because Chase made a hell of a play and it should have been a touchdown. And if they had scored there, there was enough time, as we know, for the defense to get a stop with the way they were playing and get the ball back to Burrow so now we're not talking about long snapper issues. We're not talking about field goal kickers and special teams gaps because they might have went down and scored again anyways, which they obviously did uh, to force overtime and it obviously should have been the game winner anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't understand why they didn't challenge it there. And the worst part to me, Tom, is not only did they not challenge it, they run up to get that mix and play. Now the clock is running and then they burn a timeout anyways. So you had both challenges, and then you lose a timeout about 20 seconds later. It's just tough. Tough uh, in the moment and certainly tough today. James, did you happen to be standing there um, when Wilcox made his statements after the game about uh, them practicing uh, in punting situations, some of his snapping, but that he wished, and I'm paraphrasing, that he wished – they had done more of that in field goal or point after touchdown situations? Uh, I wasn't there for that exact – I saw those comments. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we had some – but, yeah, I, I, I saw that. And, look, it, it didn't look like he had practiced those, right? I mean, that, that's the thing. Zach Taylor after the game said, yeah, he's practiced them all the time. I haven't seen that. But, admittedly, I also don't pay attention to the specialists a ton. <laughs> so, it, you You're know, right. could that have happened? Maybe. But, yeah, it, it, it certainly didn't look like it from what we saw, and it, it obviously cost them. Thoughts on the offensive line, James? I mean, look, you can sit there and say, you know, they, had, they allowed the seven sacks. I made the comment that Pro Football Focus, who does a great job studying this stuff, said really um, four of those are on the line. The other three are, are, are quote-unquote on Joe Burrow trying to make a play. And, look, that's what he does, and it's what makes him great. Um, but your thoughts uh, overall on that group? Certainly leaving something to be desired. I don't think it's as bad as most fans are saying today. I don't think it's as good as the Bengals were hoping it would be. And they were playing a really good defensive front. But, yeah, Joe Burrow wasn't seeing the field as well as, as he normally would and does, and especially early in the game. And that contributed to it, that first sack by Cam Hayward. He just held on to the ball too long on the first play from scrimmage. I think that's on Burrow as much as anything. So the sacks aren't necessarily my main concern, 
But what is is the, the functionality of the offense. Is Joe Mixon not going off? Because I thought this was going to be a big Joe Mixon game. Uh, the Bengals not able to, to push the ball down the field when they needed to. If you told me they were down 17-3, to I would have said, oh, okay, well, Jamar Chase is going to make a, a big play deep downfield. Well, the Steelers didn't allow that to happen. And part of it was Burrow wasn't seeing the field great in coverage. The other part was the offensive line didn't hold up well. And the one that surprised me the most, Jonah Williams. I mean, Alex Highsmith had three sacks, was a terror. As good as TJ Watt was and Cam Hayward was, Highsmith was just as dominant and made some huge plays. And Jonah Williams is a guy you're banking on. I I expected Cordell Volson to have some struggles in his mm -hmm. first NFL start. Didn't expect Jonah Williams to, to be um, as bad as he was or as inconsistent as he was on Sunday. Okay, I want to ask you what the Bengals do in a couple of situations. First of all, T. Higgins. I, I, I'm guessing I could be uh, uh, incorrect in this assessment because I'm not down there uh, while he's getting diagnosed. Do you suspect he doesn't play Sunday in Dallas? It's tough with concussions. I, I think the one-week turnaround is always difficult-ish, depending on how severe the concussion is. I think there's a shot that he plays, but it's – it's really tough to say right now, and it's also really realistic uh, to expect them not to have him for, for Dallas. So I'd say 50-50, but it wouldn't shock me either way. All right, what do they do about the long snapper situation? Harris is going to be out. Is he going to be out all year long? That's a pretty significant like injury. It. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know they have uh, a long snapper on the practice squad. Is that the natural sequence of events is to give that young man a shot? It is. Yeah, Cal Adamitis, an undrafted rookie out of Pittsburgh. And the good news here, Tom, is that he spent the entire offseason with the Bengals. So he was competing with Clark Harris for that starting job. I never really felt like Harris was in danger, but it's not like Cal Adamitis played poorly. And, and, you know, it's nothing that he did wrong, really. So to me, this shouldn't be a long-term issue. That's why you keep him around on the practice squad just in case and so I expect him to, to be the long snapper this week in Dallas. And I, I honestly think he's going to be good at that job. And it's not going to be a situation like we saw yesterday where we're talking about, you know, Clark Harris being down and it being such a, a devastating injury, killing mm -hmm. the special teams that the Bengals usually are good at. Yeah, Harris has done a great job in his role with that franchise for so very, very long. Um, I don't understand uh, the, the, the whole, uh, the, the, the dynamics of a team making big trades once you start a season. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk to somebody from Dallas a little bit later on about this. But if, if you're the Cowboys, I guess, James, one, knowing that Dak Prescott is now going to miss anywhere from six to eight weeks, they look terrible even when he was in the game. Uh, they, they look like the typical overrated Prescott, Dallas Cowboys, blah, blah, blah. But now you know he's out for a long time. Um, do, do you think there's any chance that they could or would or are able to go out and make a trade for a guy, say, like Jimmy Garoppolo? They should be interested in it if they have any plans on winning in 2022. I mean, is Cooper Rush going to be able to make it work with C.D. Lamb Dalton Schultz and a bunch of just dudes. I mean, that, there, there was no real running game. The offensive line had some issues yesterday. And Tampa Bay is a, a really high-end team. It's a really good defensive line with Akeem Hicks and, uh, you, you know, a bunch of guys like that. But, yeah, I think, I think so. I think you have to. 
look, it, you can't expect a guy like Cooper Rush to hold the fort down for half a season. One game, two games, maybe, but whether it's you know somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo who does have a no trade clause now, so I think he would have to waive that. And, and is he willing to with that new contract with the 49ers? I'm not sure, but you're going to have to address the situation somehow. I mean, Cooper Rush was a, a practice squad elevation. He wasn't even on the 53-man roster. So the Cowboys are going to add a quarterback. Do they go big game hunting or do they just add a veteran free agent? That's the question. Well, look, um, I, I've done a ton of the Dallas Cowboys games through the year on Fox, and, and I know you've covered a ton of – and you know all about the whole workings down there in Dallas. It, it's unique in and of itself on so many levels, especially with that fan base, a larger-than-life owner who's taken his shot, certainly deservedly so, uh, after winning the Super Bowl a couple of times when he first bought the team. Now he's a general manager. They've had all kinds of issues. I thought they were very arrogant in the offseason in regard to, as you pointed out, their skill position players and their offensive line uh, to not really address uh, some of those issues. I, there is no way – and I love your terminology there. There is no way the Cowboys can't, is there, James, not go big game hunting on the – this is one game in Dallas, Texas. I mean, if you think we're losing our minds here in Cincinnati over yesterday's game against the Steelers, it is not in the same galaxy, I'm sure, of what is going on down there in Dallas, Texas right now. Exactly. And it would be different if they had the skill players that they had in past years and you're just throwing out a Michael Gallup and had Amari Cooper and Dalton Schultz at tight end and prime Zeke Elliott along with CeeDee Lamb, then maybe, you know, Rush could go four and four. Well, they don't have that. You need a quarterback that's been there, done that. And I had my questions about Dak Prescott as is. And yeah. It didn't look good. You're right. It didn't look good last, uh, last night, th three plus quarters before he got injured. So they have to. If they're playing to win this year, they have to. Now, they may get turned down. The 49ers might not want to give up Jimmy G, especially with what we saw from Trey Lance yesterday. But they have to do something. And just to tie the Bengals in, I think that's what makes the Bengals unique and on the right side of things. It's a skill players league now. As much as it is anything else, right? Jamar Chase, when the game was on the line, Burrow went the chase multiple times, and it worked out. You need dudes that can make plays with the game on the line and the Cowboys just don't have enough of them, and it's going to be even bleaker if Dak Prescott is really out six to eight games. Oh, you're spot on. I, I think anybody that objectively, even if you're not a Bengals fan, you're not a Cowboys fan, or you are a fan with either team, if, if you were to sit back and take a, a couple of deep breaths, which I'm still trying to do after yesterday's game, um, you would certainly feel very good about the Bengals' chances for multiple reasons of riding the ship. Uh, now all of a sudden you're going down to Dallas. You're not going to have Prescott. And, uh, and they try to get to one and one before really the next couple of games, which look to be very, very winnable games, games they should win when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year. But we thought that about yesterday's game. Um, James, thank you so much for your time on short notice. You're totally on it. Everything that is Bengals at Sports Illustrated. What do you got going on this week for people to tune in, listen in, watch, read any of the above? Uh, we're going to have a ton on Cincinnati Bengals talk on YouTube. So I, I would start there. And as far as writing's concerned, we got multiple columns up, takeaways, really anything you need to know about yesterday's game at allbengals.com, and then daily on the Locked on Bengals podcast as well. So football's here, Tom. Win, lose, draw. We're, we're covering it. So it's an exciting time.
Amen, brother. Great. Uh, thanks so much, James, for your time. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you. Of, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, uh, I really appreciate that guy. Uh, I, I just sent him a text uh, this morning, and um, it's really cool of him to do it, and we really appreciate it very, very much because he's all over everything uh, as it pertains to the Cincinnati and the NFL in general. Uh, he's just on it. Uh, I tell you who's not on it is me. And that means <laughs> our picks. Ooh. I mean, the only, the only time I hear from these guys, right? They're the producers of the show, contributors to the show. They get their commentaries in the show, the whole nine yards, right? Roll out the red carpet for them ever, ever since we started red this carpet. thing. Not even two weeks ago. The only text I get from them over the weekend is on Saturday. Pick so far. Wrong, two and wrong, one. Wrong, one wrong. and two. Tom, 0 oh and 3. <laughs> I don't even want to know how bad because I can't remember who it is I picked, but we're going to go through our picks from college and pro right after this. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Um, I'm going to have to get off the bench here starting uh, right quick because my picks are not good. I have a bad feeling about them. But let's review, fellas, how we did last weekend. We start – where are we starting? College. We all took Alabama across the board. Uh, we all lose. Losers. Yep. They Losers. were lucky to win. They were. I mean, as much as I wanted to win that bet, I was – I like seeing Alabama lose whenever I can. I got to tell you, though, I, I think it's going to be one of the most interesting stories in college football over the next 10 months. This whole Quinn Ewers and, and uh, Arch Manning thing. Because a year ago, Quinn Ewers was Arch Manning. Right. I mean, he was this guy they said was the next great, great, great college quarterback. He originally committed to Texas. He decided he, he, he wasn't going to go there. He goes to Ohio State. He gets signed over a million dollars in that NIL money, the whole nine yards. He only takes a handful of snaps in a blowout against Michigan State. It's the only game he played in backing up Stroud. He saw that Stroud was going to start again this year, so he decides to go back to Texas. He looked great in that first quarter against Alabama. I mean, he looked like the real deal. And, um, and now he's hurt. So he's going, to, he's going to miss a few games. But it's going to be really interesting to see how that whole thing plays out with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning moving ahead. Okay, next up. Um, you two took, or I took, and Casey took the Florida Gators. Mm. Brandon, a winner with Kentucky. Go Cats. Not go the Cats, Cats is right. Not the Cats I normally say, but go Cats for this one. We got to get Jeff Picoro on the show. We do. Good friend. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I will say this. I had a lot of praise for Richardson, Anthony Richardson. Uh, it looks like I had a lot of mistrust well, in uh, Florida's offense. Um, yeah. If I remember right, this is, is this back-to-back -back wins in the swamp now for UK? Yes. Yes, it is. First time since uh, Tom had the stat yeah, earlier. Tom, it's like seventy-seven it. and seventy-eight, maybe. Or so. when was the last time they won? Seventy-six, seventy-seven. Okay, the last time they've beaten Florida in back-to-back -back years. By the way, my mother-in-law just reminded me that uh, uh, that um, I should be getting a birthday card today from Zach Taylor. Oh. By the way, happy birthday! Happy Thank birthday, you. Tom. Thank you. Thank you. When you get to be my age, you, you forget about those things. I'm not sitting here hammering Zach Taylor for the long haul. But look, 
This is his fourth year. All right, I, I, I'm stopping. We, we got all week for that. I'm just, okay, um, Ohio State. Casey, we thought they'd cover. I thought they'd get it going. They didn't. Another win for Brandon. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you got it going on. And the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Yes, indeed. Our, our uh, good friend Paul, uh, he kind of warned us about this, too. It's um, a big spread. Yeah, Four but he half. warned us about, about, their, about them scoring a lot of points. They did not score a lot of points. Ohio State scored enough. Uh, uh, they scored enough. That's exactly <laughs> right to cover. That was a big number, 44 and a half. Okay, next up. I still haven't won a game yet. Well, now you do. <laughs> now I there do. We go. Cincinnati covers across the board, clean sweep. Good for the Bearcats. Go ahead. Womp, womp. Well, look, I'm going to pick Ohio University every week. I know, I know. Okay, it's my alma mater, and I'm, not, I'm never going to pick against them. So, as they lose, I lose, and I'll accept it. You guys get Penn State. They uh, hammer the Bobcats in the Nittany Lions home opener. So, that's all of our college picks for the week. Okay. So, the standings would go from just the college. Casey was 3-2. and two, Tom was 2-3. and three, I was 4-1. and one. Nice. Okay, on we go to the pros. Take Bengals, an L here. We, we pick, obviously, all losers there. Ravens, all winners there. Yeah. They were a seven-point favorite. They look good. Brenneman goes with the Brownies. That's Big leaguer. There you go. Big leaguer. Hey, by the way, I did not see. What was the um, – I know the kid, Cade York, kicks a 58-yard field goal to win it. And, 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 and we mentioned the Browns are 1-0 for the first time since 2004. That's wild. What was the big uh, controversy there from Carolina's standpoint? I saw the headline. I didn't get to it about a call that was missed very late in that game. Do you guys have any idea what I'm talking about? Uh, we're, we're looking into it right uh, now. Because not... they say it was a really big deal. The Panthers had plenty of opportunities, blah, blah, blah. Aftermath. Oh, okay. Here we go. They had a roughing the passer penalty on the first play of that final drive, giving the Browns 15 yards on a stop clock. And then, yeah, and Christian McCaffrey called that a horrid call after the game. I didn't see the play. I was uh, getting out or I was watching the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, Bengals uh, were on until like 5 o'clock, it felt like. Yeah. So roughing the passer, which we, I mean, you've seen it the last three or four years. It's well, been, it's been, they want to protect the quarterback, but there's been some questionable calls. I didn't see it myself, so I'm not going to comment, but, you know, that was, that was a wild, wild game. I wanted Baker to get the revenge win on, on Cleveland, but Cade York, an LSU guy, debut game, 58 yards. Well, they drafted him, I think it was in a fourth round. Yeah. So that's why they pays picked off. Him. They want their own version of Evan McPherson. And you know what? One game in, he is. Well, I think their long snapper was healthy. That probably helped. Yeah, probably. All right, um, what was next? Another win for me. I got to tell you, um, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Boy, did they look bad. I mean, all the issues from last year, their offensive line, uh, their lack of explosive play. I know DeAndre Hopkins is suspended to start the year. I get mm -hmm. that. So it puts you behind the eight ball. Uh, they looked terrible. They collapsed down the stretch last year. Um, not good. And Kansas City looked that good. The, out in the desert, it's I, – I, I like Kyler Murray. I just don't know. I picked them to go to the playoffs in our pick. I, I did too. I, Mistake. I just, Big mistake for me and you. My, my pops lives out there, and they're frustrated. 
I, li- I lived out there a long time. Right. I mean, you know, and 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 um, they have great football fans there. Great football fans in Arizona. Uh, this whole Kyler Murray thing has a chance to stink all year long. Uh, just to, as we walked through it with Brian Billick last year, the contract, the details of which leaked to the media concerning his preparation or lack thereof, the way it was then handled. Murray calls his own press conference. Cardinals call their own press conference. Um, we'll see. Because those are tough games in that division. All right. Uh, we all picked Tampa Bay. And um, I don't know about you guys, but as a, as, a, uh, as a man who adds another year to the number of his age today, I so very much jealously I look at Tom Brady as one man can look at another man. And when I saw him on the sideline during that beautiful rendition of the national anthem with a the trumpeteer there on the field last night, I said to my wife, I said, is it just me? Or does Tom Brady look like he's younger than even a year ago? Well, there's some there's some plastic surgery going on there. No yeah. chance. And he's no, no chance. No chance. I, he need, doesn't do I, anything. I know you're new to Twitter. No you're new way. To Twitter. He's got some work done. No way. He's, yes, he. There's no there's way. No there's way. no way. Yes, there is. No way. No way. The guy, and you can buy into all that TB12 stuff. I get their emails, and I'll read that stuff about the, the way he lives, and the whole nine yards, and the food, and the sleep, and the. Whole nine yards. I mean, the, the 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 guy said a couple of years ago he could play till he was fifty. Decided to retire. Comes back. Now he didn't light it up last night, but good enough. Yeah, Dallas is Dallas. It's America's team. America's team. I don't know if you guys know this, but in, you know, in Dallas, they they must have two or three different all sports radio shows, mm-hmm. right? And one of them, if not all of them, I don't remember, but one of them for years and years became famous for doing impersonations. The disc jockeys on in the morning in this FM station were famous for doing imitations of Wade Phillips, who was the coach back in those days, and of Jerry Jones. It was some of the best. You can look it up on YouTube. It was some of the best radio you could ever hear in your life. Uh, and, and Troy Aikman, the games I'd do with him, he He'd say, man, you got to check this out this week. It's better than it's ever been. You know, they're coming off some loss and, and something happened with Wade and Jerry or whatever it might be. But it's impossible to describe what it must be like down there today. Now, we've got some. And how, how do you pronounce this guy's name again, Casey? His name is Vach. Vach, Vach Lombardi. Vach Lombardi. He is um, maybe a bit more analytical than Zim Hude, let's say, for example, although Zim's got great stats, and he comes up with great stuff, and we're going to have him on tomorrow. He's traveling today back to Baltimore. Um, But um, it's impossible to describe what must be going on at this very moment at uh, 10.30 Central Time uh, on Dallas Radio. Knowing Prescott's out and knowing the things the Cowboys did not do to address weaknesses during the offseason. Okay. Is, are those all our picks? Yeah, we're going to show the totals here in just a second. Um, here it comes right here. 
Brandon is number Top one. of the standings. Thank you. Thank you. Tom, I believe you talked smack the entire first two this weeks of the show. This is a long season, boys. Yes, it is. Just like I've not thrown in the towel on our beloved Bengals after one loss, uh, this is a long year. Seven and nine, three back early on, not where you want to be. KC is one back, but um, a long, long year. And your stripes and colors, or lack thereof, will show themselves, Brandon, right, sooner we'll see, or whatever. later. It will happen. <laughs> you can mark it down. It okay. Will happen. All right. All right, we're going to uh, take a break, and we're going to be back with Vach Lombardi. I can't wait to talk to this dude. I've never talked to him before, uh, but, but they say he's like the guy down in Dallas. If you're just watching the show for the first time, we had a lot of action uh, for our Twitter this weekend. I've never been a social media guy. We logged but, in. But like in five days, uh, we're up over – 2,100 followers or something just like that. Yep. So you can go to Tom Brenneman TV. That's at Twitter. That's at uh, Instagram. And that's at Facebook. Mm -hmm. Tom Brenneman TV, like television. Uh, and check us out. We got a lot of people online here today dialed in. The most we've had for any show yet. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of folks, uh, not a Notre Dame fan, don't mind seeing them um, lose. Um 6412 Mars says the game yesterday, I feel wrung out and depleted, disappointed, and completely let down. Uh, many agreeing with me on um, Zach Taylor. Matt says Zach Taylor changed the culture of the organization in a positive way, but it's proven in a short amount of time that he's not so hot on X's and O's and game management and game time and clock decisions. Okay, look, I'm not going to sit around all day and all night and badmouth Taylor. I'm not going to do it. Um, I've already done it for an hour, so no more. <laughs> okay, we're going to hear about what the deal is in Dallas right after this. All right, welcome back to the program Off the Bench. I'm Tom Brenneman, presented by United Dairy Farmers. So here we go, fellas. Um, I'm going to go to my top five power rankings in the National Football League. Kind of like college, uh, I don't care um, – you know, if a team gets a loss, whatever it might be, uh, here you go. Number one, without a doubt, Buffalo, right on their heels, would be the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the surprise teams over the weekend, I must say, and believe me, this won't last. This Viking thing. They hammered Green Bay. I get it. But... Um, as much as I want to see good things happen for Kirk Cousins, because the guy's a great dude, had a chance to meet him many, many times, I just don't think he wins a big one. Um, and it's proven that. Maybe he'll disprove that. But they look great. Number four, the Chargers. Very tough game right out of the gate uh, against the L.A. Raiders. And the Chargers go to 1-0. And then the Ravens, who uh, started slowly, but then got it rolling and then completely dismantled the lowly New York Jets. So there you have our top five power rankings. How about top five individual performers over the weekend? We talked about Patrick Mahomes. Five touchdowns without an interception in Arizona. Look at that. Goodness gracious. Carson Wentz did throw two interceptions 
I'm telling you, uh, people are uh, have undersold Wentz for a long time. I did a ton of those games when he took them. To, um, initially, he got hurt. I, I did the game in L.A. when he got hurt, and they were off to the 5 or 6-0 and o start, whenever it was, but he came back um, and was able to lead them uh, to the playoffs again. I think Wentz is a good player. Um, I think at this point in his career, Wentz is better than Matt Ryan. And I'm con- I-, I don't understand why Indianapolis let Wentz leave to bring in Matt Ryan. I don't get it. Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the National Football League when he is healthy. He's better than Kamara. He's better than anybody out there. The combination of running, receiving, speed, power, Everything And it was in full force, healthy again yesterday in the Giants' win over Tennessee, in Tennessee. 18 carries, 164 yards, touchdown. And then two wide receivers. Justin Jefferson said he was surprised by who covered him in the Green Bay game. Said he was wide open the whole game. Nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. And then there's uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, look, win, lose, or draw. Um, and I know Devontae Adams leaves from Green Bay. We've talked about this. And now with the Raiders. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, Chase, by the end of this year, is going to be considered the best receiver in the National Football League. And I'm not saying that because we're sitting here in Cincinnati. So are we ready with Vach? Oh, we are almost ready. Almost set with Vach. Yep, yep. Okay, so if those are our to... top five performers over the weekend. I, I really mean that about Chase. I, you know, it's one thing to be great. It's another thing to be great when the other team knows that you're going to get the ball. Everybody and his brother knew, with T. Higgins already out with a concussion, that, that down the stretch there, the Bengals were throwing the ball to Jamar Chase. And he still got the ball, caught the ball, and scored two touchdowns, one of which the Bengals don't challenge, and it would have been the game-winning touchdown. All right, I want to, I'm interested in meeting our main man here coming up next. I can see from the background, Vach Lombardi. That's a big league setup, Vach, you got there. Where, where are you in Dallas, Texas? I am currently in Houston, but uh, I am a Cowboy fan by way of being a Cowboy fan my whole life. You know, I, you know, I was one of those guys, hey, my whole family's a Cowboy fan. And I didn't want to be a Cowboy fan. I wanted to be a Rebel. So I was like, hey, whatever team wins the wins the the, the championship the year I was born, 90, 1992, whatever Super Bowl win in 1992, I'm going to be a fan of that team. And it was the Cowboys. So I've just been covering them, you know, you know, with, with my fan passion. So pardon me yeah. if I'm a little biased. No, you. I mean, you've got some serious following, right? I mean, you know, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, you know, everything you got. What do you do on a weekly basis to keep people informed on the Dallas Cowboys? Um, I just do media in a non-normal media way. I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, put on a suit and talk like I'm TV guy. But you know, I I watch film, so I so I am. 
you know, qualified. I play football. I coach football. So, you know, it's more than just a regular fan opinion. So when they see what I have to say, it is good information. But I got jokes and I have, you know, general things to say that will make you smile. So they put those two things together and they just kind of follow me. I don't know why they follow me, but if they follow me, I'll keep giving what they want. Well, I can tell by talking to you just here for about a minute and a half. I understand why they follow you. you I mean, you look like a football player you, and you coached. Um, and so you're actually breaking down because I led in your intro before you came on. Uh, we have a cat named Zim Hude. I don't know if you know Zim Hude or who he is. He's a guy that, that, that follows everything, all Bengals. The guy's awesome. Uh, he lives in Baltimore, so he doesn't even live in Cincinnati. But he comes back for all the games and this and that. But, 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 but you deliver um, watching game film, some analytics, all that kind of stuff. So it's not just some, like, super fan uh, uh, on raw emotions all the time. Is that accurate? For sure, for sure. I definitely try to 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 bring realistic analysis. Like, you know, sometimes my cowboy fanness gets in the way. But if it's not on film, then, you know, I'm not going to say it. So basically, like, if I come out and say something, hey, this is X, Y, Z. And look, I hate fans. So I always come out and say, you know, fans are emotional. Fans are in their feelings. Fans make up narratives. Fans believe what anybody will tell them. But if I'm saying something and then I put it on screen, hey, this is what happened and that's why it happened, then fans tend to kind of take my side on things. But, um, um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, sometimes you get fans that'll watch TV and believe anything, but this is something about this YouTube thing to where you can basically do whatever kind of content you want, how you want it, you can say what you want. And you know, those fans typically uh, they typically get a better education on YouTube than they would on television in these five minute segments. I, I agree with you a thousand percent, and that's what we're doing our show on. So we're off the quote unquote legacy media train here with off the bench. Okay, walk me through. Since the Bengals have the Cowboys this week, walk me through uh, coming into this season. And I was trying to explain uh, to a lot of people who watch us, because I've had a chance through the years to broadcast many, 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 many Dallas Cowboys games. And being down there and the whole fandom uh, all across the state, you know, I mean, some people call them America's team all across the country. I'm not, I'm not buying that so much anymore, but they have a great following. Going into the season – uh, I thought they were a little bit arrogant in regard to their offensive line and their skill position players. Do you believe that's accurate? For sure. And, you know, going into it, I kind of understand what the Joneses were saying. I just didn't like how they planned it all out. Uh, I think as long as you have a dude at quarterback, you have a chance, right? So Dak Prescott is a guy that I consider a dude. Um, but, you know, as we see with, you know, you have like, hey, you have – Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback of all time. But if you don't have wide receiver help, you don't have offensive line help, then it, it means nothing. But that doesn't mean that Dak's a bad quarterback. It doesn't mean that Dak can't get it done. It just means he, need, he needs a little bit of help. I don't mind moving on from Collins or Cooper or just some of the other guys that the Cowboys moved on from. I just don't like how we you know, moved on from those spots, right? So, oh, we moved on from Leo Collins. I don't mind that. What do we do to improve from our right tackle spot now? We move on from Amari Cooper, okay? He's a dude that can get open by himself. He can win these one-on-one routes. He is a route-running genius. But now we just kind of got James Washington, the dude that, you know, didn't do much in Pittsburgh. And he's going to be the guy. Then he gets hurt. Then we're going to draft the dude, Jalen Tober, South Alabama, third-round pick. He's not Amari Cooper right now, so what So what are we doing here? What are we going to do to fix this Amari Cooper deficiency? Oh, we're just going to bank on C.D. Lamb and hope Dak Prescott can elevate the other guys. Dak Prescott can elevate guys, but he needs help to elevate guys. You know, he can elevate a, a third receiver and make him, you know, you know, 
kind of decent to look at. Sure. He can elevate maybe this guy, maybe a tight end. Dalton Schultz isn't the, the most talented guy in the world, but Dak Prescott can elevate him if there's an Amari Cooper and a CeeDee Lamb and a Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup's out till about week four, by the way. So, yeah, it was very arrogant walking into this thing, just gambling that we can, you know, replace a pro bowler with a third-round pick and some dude James Washington that most fans never heard of. All right, so uh, they start the game last night. Uh, even with Dak in there, they looked awful. Uh, on offense Um, so we move on from that it doesn't matter because the biggest story without a doubt is that late in the game uh, Dak gets injured they're saying he's going to miss anywhere from six to eight weeks I asked James Rapine from Sports Illustrated um, a little while ago do the Cowboys go all in on trying to go get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo what do you think they're going to do here now with this situation at quarterback? As far as your Jimmy question, hell no. Can I cuss on your show? Hell yes, no. of course I, you I, can. I could care less. Yeah, man. Jim, Jim, Jimmy's not – so, first of all, I think Jimmy's only Jimmy because of the offense that he that he's in and the coaches that he has and the cast that he has, right? We just had this conversation about if Dak can't do it with this supporting cast, then how can Jimmy do it? Um, and then also, I think in order to get Jimmy, you would have to give up. I wouldn't say like a King's Ransom. Jimmy ain't like one of these other guys. Um, but, you know, if you're going to get Jimmy, you're going to have to give up some type of draft compensation. If that's going to be the case, I'm not giving up big compensation for a rental. And Jimmy just got paid. And, you know, Cowboys aren't in the business of paying people that didn't get drafted here so yeah you know and and my biggest hope and and my biggest optimism this is where my cowboy bias get here um you know Dak is going to be out for six to eight weeks let's do everything we can to make that six weeks and within that six weeks we play teams like you know the washington football wizards i refuse to call them commanders (laughs) we uh the we play the giants we play the lions you know the bears so hopefully and i'm not even saying we can watch every one of those teams you just mentioned one yesterday Sure, but you know, I mean, you know, yeah, come on now. Come on. I mean, even with Dak in there yesterday for three quarters before he got hurt, I'm not sure that Cowboys team with him is an automatic win over the the Wizards, as you say, from Washington or the Giants or who else did you say? Uh, Wizards, Giants, Bears, Lions. Yeah. Ba- okay, Bears. I mean, you know. So, so, and, and look, fair point on that, but you know, this Cowboys offense versus that Buccaneers defense is going to be different than, you know, the Lions running into Philly or the, I don't, I don't know what happened with San Fran and the Bears yesterday. That was, that was, that was messy. But I do think in some of these head to head matchups, I, I do think Dallas is talented enough, though. We're, you know, we're not the, the number one offense that we once was. You know, I'm not going to lie and, you know, take that role, but the Texans scored 20 points yesterday. You know, Jacksonville scored points yesterday. The Lions scored points yesterday. So you mean to tell me with the guys that we have, we can't score more than three? I think this is more of a coaching problem here. And, you know, Cowboy fans that are that are probably listening right now that are all over, you know, Cowboy Nation, we're waiting yeah. on that. We fired Sean. I mean, we've uh, fired Mike McCarthy. Let's bring in Sean Payton. We're just waiting on that news. Um, so I'm going to watch Monday Night Football tonight. And if Geno Smith can score more than three points, then you fire all of my coaches tonight. Well... Uh, look, you know, Geno Smith winning that job. I mean, that's, that's a whole different topic altogether. All right, uh, the Bengals coming down there this weekend. They lose their game yesterday in shocking fashion. Uh, divisional game at home against an inferior team, at least as far as talent goes. I think they got outcoached. Tomlin's a big-time coach. Uh, but they're coming down. 
uh, and now all of a sudden 0-1. Oh, uh, I don't know if anybody even cares at this point that the Bengals are coming down because it's all Dak, 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 right? So you don't expect them to go out and make any kind of a deal, whether it's a trade or signing somebody maybe uh, as a free agent who's out there kind of floating around. I think we're going to run with Cooper Rush, and you have to kind of weigh your options on this, right? You know, the the market of backup quarterbacks is not like Tom Brady sitting out there on the street. We just go get him, you know. So the backup quarterback that you're going to get, you know, think about who, you know think about who they are talent wise. So you take a guy like Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush isn't as talented, but at least he has continuity continuity in this offense. At least he knows the guys. At least he knows you know what we're trying to do offensively. Uh, you weigh that versus a guy like Cam Newton, who is washed in his own right. But he is a free agent quarterback that's out there. I would rather take the Cooper Rush that has run this offense for four years than a perceived talent advantage in Cam Newton coming in for the, you know, what, for, for, for five games to try to turn this thing around. By the time it takes Cam Newton to really figure out what we're doing on the offense, I mean, Dak Prescott will be back. So, like I said, you know, those those teams with the little bitty names that won games this week that I'm hoping that the Cowboys can beat over the over the next six games, I mean, you know, if, if we lose four games, I say we because I'm a fan, if the Cowboys lose four games and Dak Prescott comes back and, you know, we only have a total of five, we make a run at the wild card. But, hey, this is the super fan of me speaking. This is Vach Lombardi Superfan. If we lose seven or eight games before Dak Prescott comes back, oh, no, Dak Prescott, this hand injury was a little worse than I thought it was. Let's get the first overall pick, and let's uh, pair that dude with Micah, or let's get you some wide receiver help. There's going to be a lot of guys in the uh, draft that we can use on offense, and let's just try try all over again. I'm not in the business of salvaging that that season. I would rather go one in one in eighteen or 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 one in seventeen than to go like eight and nine and you don't make the playoffs but your draft pick is like sixteen or something. That's right. not what I want. Right. I got you. Okay. So you think the Bengals come down there and win this weekend? Oh one hundred percent. And and listen I believe almost, me, nothing's a hundred percent Vach. Nothing. I almost fixed my mind to say, well, you know, Joe Burrow throws the ball four times. We might be all right. But, hey, you know, y'all, you know, the Bengals were, were able to almost come back and beat a team after Joe Burrow throws the ball to, and fumbled one. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 don't, I don't think this is the case. If I can just give you a little more content for your show here, though, I do think there's something to this Cowboy defense kind of finding its flow and figuring itself out, right? This this Tom Brady-led offense, this Tom Bay Buccaneers offense, is nothing to sneeze at, and we held those dudes to one touchdown and a, and a gang of field goals. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, giving up 19 points to these dudes were perfect, but look at what our offense did, or the lack of what our offense did, and yeah. the Tom Bay Buccaneers kept getting field position, favorable field position, and, you know, we gave up some runs, and we'll probably clean that up over the course of the season mid-season form is a thing i do think that this michael parsons thing is a real life thing and if this defense can keep it close and you know cooper rush isn't asked to do too much and ezekiel elliott maybe gets going in the run game sure it can be competitive but you're not gonna get a dallas is gonna beat cincinnati out of me okay all right before i let you go i gotta ask you there in the backdrop i can see a little bit of phil collins i think that's that's a phil collins uh, poster of some kind back there who's who's there next to phil collins that's not lionel richie over there is it who is that next to phil collins is kendrick lamar right there. okay that kendrick lamar okay what else you got in there who else you got in there oh man we got the outlaw josie wales down here we got killmonger <laughs> there i would call him samuel jackson but that'll be disrespectful. That is Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction eating a big Kahuna burger. Uh, you got a little Super Mario. 
you got a little Dragon Ball right there. You got rapper Nas. I love him. And you got Outkast from Atlanta. They're a rap group from Atlanta. They're fantastic yeah. as well. So a okay. little bit of diversity here. Okay. I love it. I love it. I mean, you got it all across the board right there. That's big time. I try. That's right. All it's, right, Bob, um, we're gonna, What? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's just, um, it's just I have a personality that goes into a lot of places. That's why you can get Outlaw, Josie Wales, Phil Collins, and Mario. But when my audience kind of tunes in, you're going to get some 65-year-old man or some old guy like you and say, oh, I love Outlaw, Josie Wales, but I have no clue what Dragon Ball Did you is. Just, wait, 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 wait. Did you just call me an old dude? Some old man. Some old man? Is that what you just called me, Botch? I mean, I just met you. No, I said Clint Eastwood's an old man. And he's no, like, oh. you did not, Vach. We could turn back the tape. You said old man like you as well. I'm, I'm not, I am not backing out the legend. Thumb. Brent Brenneman is an old man. Yeah, on right. his I birthday. Believe, my wife tells me I'm an old man. On his birthday. Vach, you're good. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank he you turned very much. Vach, it's great having you on. Hey, I'm gonna, I, I want to have you come back sometime, if you don't mind. I'd love to have you come back and talk about what's going on in Big D because a lot of people coast to coast care about what's happening down there in Dallas. Sure, let's do it. I am I am, you know, one of the cowboy guys that people like, so I'm grateful for that. But I'm also a draft guy. So if y'all got some draft talk in the offseason, you know, contact me there. Hit me up. I'll be free. We will. Vach Lombardi. Thanks so much, my appreciate man. You. Hope all is well down that's in Houston. God bless you. Uh, when we come back, we'll do our cherry on top. That guy's a good dude. I like him. We got to get him back. Back yeah, in a definitely. minute. Final minutes of the program. Uh, we got a lot going on here at Chatterbox Sports. I mean, we got lots happening. Uh, you know, Brandon, one thing I did not ask you about before we get to our cherry on top. Um, you were part of, and Casey, I think you were down there, right? Did you go down for the tailgate? Yep. And so how did it all go down there? The Bengal Block Party at Longworth Hall. Good time. It's kind of like a preseason game, but but Trace, is your mic on? Yeah, check check yeah, one good. two. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I trust Casey with the audio. Yeah, what was now that? it's ah! we were on the Bengal Block Party down at Longworth Hall. It's kind of like the preseason, but our head coach Trace Fowler made sure we played, and I had a couple kinks, but had some fun. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick stopped by, did a nice Q and A, dropped uh Dropped a little language about the Steelers, but uh, he played in the rivalry, so he has the equity to do so. What is he doing now? Uh, he's staying in town. He's uh, He played in Arizona, but he lives here locally now. He uh, told me he'll come on the Mental Game podcast, and so we'll get him on that show, maybe on this show as well. And that'll be starting in November. Yep. We've got Paul Fritchner's show. Yep. Right? That starts Thursday. Starts this coming Thursday. And I got to tell you, I mean, he was bragging about it on Twitter, about him, um, some of his picks. Over the weekend, including Kentucky, he picked them. He said sprinkle, I think, is a term, gambling term. Sprinkle a little cash on um, the Kentucky Wildcats on the money line. And he was spot on. Um, tomorrow, Brian Billick, Tracy Jones, Paul Doherty. And we're, we were just talking in the commercial break. We are going to try and find more of the Vach Lombardi, Zim Hudes of the world out there because I, I, I think having guys that really know their teams inside and out, along with a little flavor, little passion, mm -hmm. little pizzazz, it's nice to have those guys. So we're going to try and hunt somebody down uh, who would fit that billing that roots and follows the Cleveland Browns because, I, I, listen, I'm sure they're really excited up there. 1-0 for the first time since 2004. Way Congratulations, go, Brownies. Brownies. Congratulations. Um, we're not haters around here. I mean, I'm not hating on the Steelers. 
I'm not going to hate on the Browns. Or the, it's not going to happen. Um, I, will hate T- job. I will hate T.J. Watt. What, what I think – I think he's a dirty player, but – uh, there, there's definitely some borderline hits at that Steelers defense through the years. There's no question about that. It's a team that, that plays on that edge, if not going over that edge frequently for a long time. But they know how to win games. All right. Our cherry on top is presented by our friends at United Dairy Farmers. The weather in Chicago yesterday and the field conditions are notorious for being brutal at Soldier Field. After the win, a little slip and slide. You know, I did something like that at the end of my eighth grade Pee Wee football game. <laughs> like my very last game of the year. We all just went in and just slid in the mud and water. But this is a professional football field. You know what? That's awesome. And they won. And they won, too. That That's... is awesome. And I, I, I tell you, man, um, you know, normally you see that in a baseball game. It used to be in the old days. They don't do it anymore because they're worried about everybody getting hurt. But guys would go out there, especially at Wrigley Field, when they'd have the tarp oh, on. Yeah, and guys yeah. would go out there and do all that stuff. And uh, Rick Dempsey and a bunch of others through the years, showing my age again there. But um, but Justin Fields, I'm telling you right now, he has nothing around him. No, zero around him. He's running for his life the second he catches a ball out of a shotgun snap, uh, and Lord knows he can run. He can run like a gazelle. Um, And for him to pull off that win yesterday, if that franchise would get him some offensive line help, uh, this kid is going to be a really good player. Really good player. Uh, But the Bears get a big win over San Francisco. We thank Casey McAllister and Brandon Seho, the producers of our program, uh, we thank Trace Fowler, our executive producer, and everyone here at Chatterbox Sports. Most importantly, we thank you for joining us. This is our largest audience so far. We're trying to build and build and build and build. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm still learning what all these things are. I pray it doesn't get me in any trouble. LinkedIn, of course. But, to, but on all three of those, Tom Brenneman TV, as in television. Back with you tomorrow. Big lineup on Off the Bench. Thanks for being with us. Adios.